You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley, and we are into the season. This is our first episode of the 2021-2022 basketball season. Gene, we're here to talk about a Tennessee victory and 90-62 win over UT Martin and kind of projecting ahead a little bit and looking ahead uh, to Tennessee season. Maybe look look a little bit around the SEC. This is no longer an SEC podcast, but there are some interesting headlines in the SEC uh, on the first night of action in college basketball. First of all, I want to thank all of you who are tuning in here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time here, we really appreciate it. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You name it, we're there. Subscribe to the show today if you haven't already. If you're not new here and this is a return visit, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Share the show with a friend. Let them know about Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. And if you're a Lady Vols fan as well, we have Lady Vol Basketball Fever podcast that debuted last week. Uh, also part of this, the same network. You don't have to subscribe to a new channel or anything like that. It'll be on the same feed as this one. We're also on Twitter and YouTube, or excuse me, Twitter and Facebook at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. So Gene, as I mentioned, Tennessee gets a 90-62 victory over UT Martin. You just look at the final score and say, okay, Tennessee took care of business. And they certainly did in the second half. Not a great start to the game, but again, it wasn't something that I was worried about ever. I, I, I try. I, I'm on Twitter still, but I'm not on Twitter like I used to be, especially when my you know my full time job was to cover UT athletics. So I'm not on there as much as I used to be, even as little as I was on. Or it, it, I'm on a little bit more during games, but definitely not like I used to be. Still saw people kind of going, "Oh my gosh, what's going on here? Why is this so close?" And I, I was sitting there thinking, like, I expected this to be. A slow start for Tennessee, just like the exhibition. And Gene, you and I were talking, and you'll you'll kind of go into a little bit here in, uh, in a little bit. But you and I are talking before we hit record here. How do you how do you scout this UT Martin team? It was a team with 14 brand new players and a brand new head coach. Like I don't I don't there's not film to watch from last year or years past of of these players playing together. Literally none of these guys have ever played together. They, they all came from different schools, all transferred in, all freshmen. Like th- these are all a brand new roster scouting them while they aren't, you know, they're not going to be as talented as an SEC roster or an ACC or, or whatever, um, you know, high major school. There's some pretty athletic guys out there. A, a guys like KK Curry, who you're neck of the woods there. Gene Cleveland, obviously related to Trey Curry, who is a football recruit too, that, that Vol fans probably know end up having a pretty good night. Uh, KJ Simon had a pretty good night. I thought David Dedenko was a pretty good uh, from the three-point range as well. They have a trio of guys who I think are you know, pretty decent, pretty good athletes and pretty decent players. So I think in the OBC where UT Martin plays, I think they'll give some teams some uh, something you know too hot to handle there. And I think they might be a team that I don't expect them to compete for a title, but I think they'll be a team that is not going to be an easy out for most teams in the OBC. But this is about Tennessee, so the Vols end up winning 90-62. to Set a school record with 17 made threes. They attempted 40 threes, which was easily the most of the Rick Barnes era. I think it was the second most, if I remember correctly looking at the uh, the media guide, the second most threes attempted in a game in school history. The only other game that was had more three-pointer attempts uh, was a 
gave me the early Bruce Pearl era where they attempted 50 in a game. I want to say that was against maybe Long Beach State. I, it could be wrong. I think it was a game where Tennessee dropped 120 in that game. I think they attempted 53s in that one, but Tennessee set a school record with 17 made threes. Uh, no John Fulgerson. I think it was part of the reason why you saw as many threes get jacked up. But Viscovi finished with 6-11. Katie Chandler is a perfect 4-4. Cam Wall hit a 3. Justin Powell is 3-5. of five. Uh, Bailey was 2-7. of seven. And those were all your main guys. You had a couple of the guys. Obviously, Huntley Hatfield hit a 3 as well. But Gene, I, I thought my big takeaways from this game were it's, it's game 1. So... I don't want to overreact too much, even though that's what we always do in every sport. We overreact to the first week, the first game uh, of, of the sport. My, my biggest takeaways were, just like from the exhibition, huge, major, huge fan of Kenny Chandler. I, I'm going to enjoy watching this kid for the one year he's in Knoxville. 20 points, 4 assists, a rebound, and, and he looked phenomenal most of the night. I mean, yes, he made a, a couple of freshman mistakes here and there, but 22 minutes, and he hit 20 points and was perfect for four from three, seven of ten uh, overall, pretty good passing. Uh, he, he just his his motor up and down the court. I, I think it was Dane Bradshaw pointed out that on a mate bucket, Tennessee got the inbounds, and within three seconds, Kenny Chandler had gotten the inbounds pass and had taken it all the way to the court and had a, a driven and almost got an and one. I, I, if I remember correctly, he wasn't able to finish at the rim, but he got fouled. I mean. His speed's incredible. I think he's just an incredible playmaker on offense. Needs to work on his defense, but offensively, he's already there. I mean, I, I don't. He's he's gonna wow. I think a lot of people this year. Viscovi started a little slow, came on really strong. Two assists, only one turnover. Twenty points, five boards, six eleven from three. As I said earlier, came off finished with only his second career double double. Eleven points, fourteen boards. Uh, you were one of the first person uh, I, I thought of when I saw that line, Gene, and one of the first people I thought of just watching him play. He didn't start out very strong. I, I, I didn't like his defense early in the game. He improved as the game went on, and I thought he finished with an, a really good stat line. Again, I know he fouled out too, but in 27 minutes, 4 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 3 from 3, 11 points, 14 boards, an assist, 2 blocks and 2 steals, 5 offensive boards, which is huge, and then 9 defensive boards as well. Rounding things out, Powell in his debut had 13 points. Urosh started... Eh, wasn't a huge fan of his game, but he finished with six points, only one rebound. That's a big, that's a big kind of circle right there. Huntley Hatfield came in, played 20 minutes, one of the first guys off the bench, seven points, six boards, two blocks, three steals, and then the stat stuffer, even though he only had two points, was one of eight from the floor, 0 of five from three, still managed to have a huge impact, and that was Josiah Jordan James, adding four blocks, five steals. Five rebounds in his 27 minutes, even though, again, only scored two points. Had a huge impact in a lot of other areas, and I, I liked his aggressiveness on offense. He, he drove to the bucket a couple of times, tried to put back once. Again, 0 of 5 from 3, 0 of 2 from the free throw line. His shot just wasn't there, but I loved his effort as always, and again, he found other ways to affect the game. No John Fulkerson. Again, Gene, I, I expect when he comes in that three-point numbers to go down from attempts-wise. I don't, I don't expect Tennessee to be shooting like 30, 35 threes a game with Fulkerson in there. But I think it is safe to say that this offense is going to look quite a bit different than any other offense we've seen under Rick Barnes. Again, I, I think it's subject to change a little bit with, with what Fulkerson does when he comes in. But I I liked the, the way this offense looked against UT Martin. I think they, they didn't take very many mid-range sh shots. They had uh, 24 points in the paint. And then, what a 17 times 3 really quick. Let's see, 17 51. times 3 is 51. Thank you, yes. Yeah, so 51 <clears throat> points uh, from the perimeter, 24 points 
uh, from the paint. That is 75 of their 90 points uh, that were not from mid-range. And, of course, you also had there were 7 of 13 from the free throw line. So only, you know, what, maybe a few, a, a very small percentage of their shots came from the mid-range jumper. That's quite a bit different than, or quite a bit different percentage-wise from what years past have been under Rick Barnes. So I'll let you talk here, but that was kind of my thoughts from the, the, the game. Three-point offense, very encouraging. That, that, set, that to me... I'll be interested to see how much, you know, if that really sticks moving forward. I also kind of want to hear your thoughts on the rotation, but I know that you have a lot of thoughts you wanted to uh, to share too before we kind of get into some details and, and talking back and forth on this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think you kind of talked about at the beginning. I mean, like UT Martin is the absolute worst team that you could ever want to scout if you're a coach because you know literally nothing. I mean, maybe you – I mean, you're – you're talking about. I mean, Martin started. Martin started four Division One transfers, um, and I think you and I talked about this last week. Where I think you're talking about maybe the maybe maybe it's the Kim Palm ranking or whatever like that. And like that's let's be careful with that because mm-hmm. simply the fact that there's just so much unknown. And I didn't realize you I mean at the time. I mean, I knew that there are two kids from Cleveland on the team, but. I didn't realize that the entire team was new until, you know, Nathaniel and I kind of started digging into it. So, um, and, and some of these kids that have success at their prior stops, but, you know, like that's, that's a headache of a team to, uh, to scout. Like, I guess maybe what you're doing and this will eventually lead into what we do, you know, what we talk about you know, as far as when they play ETSU coming up, because I think it's similar. What you do is you look at where they came from. Um, you know, so maybe you watch some of the stuff that happened, you know, when uh, when Ritter was at between Cookman and like maybe so that way you can understand as far as sets are concerned. But really, I mean, if you're if you're Barnes, it's like, man, just go play. And if you look at the early part of the game, I think that that's when Martin had their success. Both on both ends uh, was mm-hmm. when until Tennessee had an opportunity to suggest to what um, Martin's trying to do. Because obviously, if you look, I mean, Tennessee kind of takes over late in the first half, and uh, Martin all of a sudden is shooting considerably worse in the second half than did in the first. I mean, 56 percent in the first half, 36 percent in the second. Whereas Tennessee goes from 38 percent in the first half to 49 percent in the second. But although they shot, you know, great from three the entire time, uh, and yeah, like look, they jacked uh, they jacked a bunch of threes. Um, but I think you have to like that nobody really played a lot. Um, Josiah, mm-hmm. I think the thing about Josiah is like I will always be, I'll, I'll be either the president or the vice president of his fan club, depending on where you want to, where you want to land on that. Um, it, it's, it's tough because I mean, and I've talked about this before, a lot of people who watch basketball will only judge how good a basketball player is on his star ranking whenever it is to college. So therefore, maybe it, in a sense, this is kind of what, uh, to make a football reference, this may be what like a Harrison Bailey would have gone through had he ever been like the full-time guy because he had a star ranking that he didn't give himself that was kind of given to him. So expectations would keep him on this team. Um, Josiah was... 26 and 27 minutes last That was the best uh, on the team. And, like, there's a lot of stuff that you just can't quantify that he does. Like, he fills in gaps. He does all of the other things. 
hey, you need a point guard for a few possessions, coach. I got you. Let me go. Let me run in and snag a couple rebounds for you. Got you. Not a big deal. He's trying to be more aggressive. That's it's not maybe not who he is, but he's trying. He's trying to be more aggressive. I mean, he, I don't remember. I think he was he shot like nine threes in the exhibition game. It was over five from three um, last night. I mean, so when you look at a kid who has two points, five rebounds, five steals, four blocks, and, and one assist, like, yeah, that is – that doesn't sound like a great stat line. But if you're going to give me five rebounds, five steals, and four blocks, I'll take that every day mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that leads to winning. Look, man, it's – basketball's about shooting. He's no Ben Simmons. Shots are eventually going to fall for this guy. But what should be – encouraging for fans is the fact that even in, on a night when the shots weren't falling, he still gave you all the other production. Because if you look at this roster, I mean, Vescovi, you know, I think you and I talked last year about how much better Vescovi would be when he didn't have to play with the ball in his hands so long. He's not a point guard because he's a legitimately excellent shooter. You can make an argument, he may be one of the top five, top ten shooters in the country. And I could also put Justin Powell in that thing, too. But you see what Vescovi is capable of doing now. You see Chandler, the production. Uh, I don't think that the three-point you know, stuff is going to continue with him. Although, I mean, he's I mean, he's killing it right now. Killed in the exhibition, killed it last night. Um, Kamwa, I'm not really surprised, man. I said two years ago he was the best rebounder on the team. I'm not really surprised he goes out there and has 14. We guard Curry. Curry's, you know, kind of a difficult guard because he's like supremely athletic. You gotta get around a kid like you know, Olivier who's athletic, but then you look, you go up against a kid like KK Curry, you realize there are levels to athleticism. Like there are levels to being athletic. Sean Fulkerson is athletic. KK Curry is a different sort of athletic than a Fulkerson. Um Plastic, yeah. Yeah. You know, I took you know I took my lumps three when he first got there. So I just simply said that I don't think you know, I went on some radio show and said I don't think people are getting what they think they're getting out of him. I think he's a good player. I think he'll fill a role. Uh, we'll still have to figure some of that stuff out. Minus you know, so. Um, were, were you? Let me ask you. Were, were you surprised he started? Because I mean, obviously we knew Fulkerson wasn't going to play. Were you surprised they started him as opposed to starting? Like a, a Victor Bailey or a Powell, and kind of going smaller at the beginning at the beginning of the game. No, because I think if you're a coach, you have to. The early season is when you have to be willing to just sample some stuff. You may you may see some lineups that you'll never see again, but you've got to tinker with some stuff in the early going, especially with a, a team and a roster that has so many new pieces. Um, out of all the one, two, three, four, five, what, 11 scholarship guys I think played last night? Five starters probably had four, seven, eight, nine, seven. Oh, yeah. 11 scholarship guys played last night. Um, how many of them were new? One, two, three, four, five. Most of six. them. <laughs> yeah, like half of them yeah. were new. Because you got Chandler, um, Ziegler, Powell, Meshack, and Dabunja. That's the first time I've ever pronounced that kid's name right. Nervous saying it the entire time. <laughs> I think I got it right, but um, so half of the guys that you got are new. This isn't like the team you had, you know, three years ago, where you could just kind of, you know, whatever. Like 
we kind of know what we've got with some of these guys. We got to figure some stuff out with this year's team because there is so much newness. And so I'm not really surprised Juros goes out there. I mean, again, like it's not like he was bad. I mean, you know, six point sixteen minutes. I think that if you can get that in the season, and he's not the starter, you'll take that. You want the rebounds to go up. I mean, you don't like three fouls in 16 minutes. You don't like certain things. You don't like Conway fouling out in 27 minutes. You know, one foul every five minutes means you play 25 minutes a game. And for, you know, for Tennessee to kind of reach its goals and with what I perceive to be a lack of depth in the interior, because even last night, what, three bigs played? Yep. So, like, I mean, to that perceived lack of, you know, interior depth. You can't have, I mean, you'll eventually have four, obviously, but um, you can't have two of them fouling every five minutes because if they're going to give you 15, I mean, I mean, I guess you can, but one of those guys is going to have to play like more minutes, you know, because Fulkerson is just one guy. Um, you've got another position, like unless you want to just go smaller and things like that, but you, you need more, you need less fouling out of your, Bits because then like a Curry uh, and the Dinko, that ain't got that ain't nothing. Or when you face well against Kentucky's bigs, uh, the just the bigs in the SEC. I mean, because right. actually, I mean, that, Kentucky's a bad example because from what I saw last night or little I saw, they ain't got much in the way of bigs right now either. Um, so, um. That you need those guys. You need to be able to trust those guys so they can go in there and give you some good minutes. This was just the first test. And um, from a, a stat line perspective, you have to like it. You know, like you have to like what they were all able to go out there and do. But if you're a coach, you're always looking at how can we be better. Like that's why Nick Saban was smiling at halftime of the game they lost to Texas a and because he actually didn't have to manufacture reasons to be mad. He actually had reasons to be mad. I think Rick will kind of be similar to that. And the fact that he's like, yeah, we got the win. We won by 30. But there's a lot that we have to work on. Yeah, and you would much rather, and you know this as, as a former player, now you also coaching stuff, you would much rather have learn about things you had to fix in a win than learn about things you had to fix in a loss. <laughs> You'll take that any day of the week. You'd rather be exposed and still win than be exposed and then get blown out. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, as, as as much as there was good with the 17 made threes, with Viscovi and, and Chandler going off for 20 apiece, with Powell looking like a, a really good shooter. Like you said, Tennessee doesn't need Josiah Jordan-James to put up 10, 15 points a game if he, if his shot isn't falling. If he's still going out there grabbing rebounds and stealing the ball and addition assists, Tennessee's got other guys who can pick up the slack. And unlike last year, it's not two true freshmen who you're relying on. Kenny Chandler, a true freshman, can't score and is going to score quite a bit this year. But Viscovi, Powell, Victor Bailey can all score. Uh, you, I think Honey Hatfield can also is, is capable of scoring. I'll, I'm very interested to see what he does as the season goes on. I thought he had he flashed some really good potential. There's some things he he was a little slow. Uh, I think with his feet sometimes on the defensive end, but he poked the ball away. He, he had very active hands on the defensive end, and I, I wasn't quite anticipating that. Finished with two blocks and three steals to go with his seven points and six boards. I, I, he, he impressed me a little bit more on the defensive end than I was expecting. Uh, but this team, like you said, doesn't have a lot of post depth. You, you can't afford having two of your post players, really, uh, to go out and, and be in foul trouble. You'll get Fulgerson, but really, last night, 
Gene, for everyone who was healthy, everyone who's healthy played. I mean, I, except for I guess Tomba, but you're, I, I, he's you know going to red shirt. So everyone who was health, who was healthy, it wasn't in line for red shirt. All played, and you know this rotation is going to go down. You're not going to see as much of Debonjay and Meshack as the year goes on. You're, you're not going to see pro- as much of of Ziegler as the year goes on. But I think Ziegler is still going to be a guy who's still going to be playing if he's healthy in, in February and March because he showed enough peskiness on defense, and it's not like Tennessee has a another true point guard to play behind uh, Chandler when he's on the bench. I mean, yes, you have a Scobie who feel comfortable handling the ball, and, and he showed, you know, he, he still can do it. But he doesn't have the same type of burst and same type of game that Chandler and Ziegler can both bring for that point guard position. And I thought Ziegler, you know, being outmatched from the height and been, being a true freshman, man, he, he lived up to that. Uh, oh, man, I, can, I cannot remember what Steve Hamer kept calling him during the exhibition. But whatever it was, he lived up to that uh, that that style of just being a, a pesky guy on defense and really playing with a high motor. He finished, by the way, with three points, four assists, a rebound of one turnover in his 13 minutes. So he, he you know, not bad at all there. Uh, I think he yeah, hit and one. That was his three points because he was 0 of 2 from three. One of five from the floor, and then one of two from the free throw line. So not a, not an and one, excuse me. Um, but no, I I you made some great points there, and it's things I want to I want to see looking ahead into the future. Tennessee again plays ETSU this Sunday. That's going to be another quote unquote tune up game. I think ETSU not as good as they've been in years past. I don't think, but they're still going to be. You know, they're not a horrible team either. They, they're not a team that Tennessee can just overlook. Unlike UT Martin, you can scout them, Gene. They have like some guys returning from last year and. And you obviously Tennessee is going to be familiar with the head coach over there at ETSU, um, but they obviously had a, a very, you know, headline grabbing year last year. Uh, we talked about that on the podcast, I think, uh, earlier this year as well. But after that is when your first really huge test happens here in just over a week on the 14th of November when Tennessee plays Villanova in one of the early season tournaments. I just forgot what the name of it was. Uh, but you have Villanova and then either UNC or Purdue in that second game. It's going to get real. You're going to have tests here real quick. And both teams, I, I think it was last night on the, on the broadcast, uh, Hoover was doing the play-by-play with Dame Bradshaw. I was talking about how you know Tennessee probably isn't ready to play Villanova yet, but Villanova also probably isn't ready to play Tennessee, but they're going to have to go out there, lace them up, and go and play it. Two really good early uh, tests for Tennessee upcoming. And at, at that point, you should have John Fulkerson back. I, I will be interested to see if he plays against ETSU this weekend. I don't know. And he's a guy who's obviously, he's they, they flashed the graphic up during the game on Tuesday night. He's a, he's believed to be the fourth oldest player in college basketball this year. I'd, I'd be interested to see who the other three are, who the three other people who are older than him are, because I don't know off the top of my head who they'd be. But he's believed to be the fourth oldest player, played 120-something-plus games in his career at Tennessee. He's a guy who, you know, I don't I, – I feel fine with him making his first career – or not first career, his, his first action of the season in a game like a Villanova because he's a guy who's been here for a long time. He's not a guy who you, I, I don't feel like you have to dip his toe in the water. You can kind of throw him into the fire, and, and he you know what to expect from him. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and be like, oh, man, I haven't played a team like this before. He's played Kentucky. He's played against Gonzaga. Or if he, I think he did, maybe a little bit. He, if he didn't, he watched them play. You know, he he's played against really good teams in his career at Tennessee, and he's watched you know his teammates play against really good teams too, and on the bench and stuff when he was a younger younger player. But he's played some against really good teams. I I don't worry about him going out and his first action of the season against Villanova and saying, "Oh no, man, I don't know if he's gonna be able to handle this." I think he'll be fine. But I I think moving forward. 
we've talked multiple times on this podcast, Gene, about Tennessee's rotation. Can you get a consistent actual eight-man? Don't think it'll be a nine-man, but can you get an actual consistent eight-man group that you feel comfortable with, that you actually feel comfortable playing eight guys any amount of minutes you have to play them in a game? Because the last couple of years you haven't. You've had seven that you play. Six years feel good about that seventh guy that you kind of have to play a little bit for, for the most part. But you didn't really have an eighth, definitely didn't have a ninth guy that you felt like you could play once you got into SEC play, unless you just had to play them. This year, I think you may have eight guys. You had look at the starting five. I, I don't think Eroche is going to start, but you look at Fulkerson as a starter there. You have a Scobie, Chandler, Kamwa, Fulkerson, and Triple J. I think you feel comfortable playing all those guys, obviously. Powell, yes. Bailey, yes. Huntley Hatfield, yes. That's eight guys. I mean, and then you can throw in, like you mentioned, Urosh as a situational guy. I think you feel fine with him being situational. And then you have Ziegler, who I think, again, situationally, you feel okay playing uh, off the bench there. That's, and I'm not saying Tennessee's 10 deep because they're definitely not 10 deep. But I think you actually feel fine with Tennessee having eight guys. Again, this is all after one game and, and technically after exhibition as well. We'll see where we stand once we get in deep into SEC play. But Gene, I do think this team is going to be a, a team that we actually get to see Rick Barnes feel comfortable having eight guys that he, he, he feels like he can play. Maybe, again, a ninth that he feels like, hey, I, I can throw him in here when the situation calls for it. And Tennessee has not had that the last couple of years. And I think that's that and the, the point guard play of Kennedy Chandler are going to be the really, to me, the biggest differences uh, of the last couple of years. And that's the key. I mean, I think you, you figure out when, I mean, when Tennessee was last good, like elite good. I mean, they didn't have one point, but they had two. I mean, because Lamonte Turner had obviously developed in, you know, Lamonte always felt like he was more of a scorer's mentality to me, but he had developed into a solid point guard. And we saw what Jordan Bowen was. And, uh, you know, they haven't had it since those two guys left. I mean, Lamonte tried, and, you know, whenever he just couldn't go anymore, he couldn't go anymore. So they've just been kind of trying to figure that out. Like elite, elite point guard play is kind of like elite quarterback. I mean, another football reference. You can be good if you have everybody around you except for a point guard, but you see how much better you are when you actually have one. You see some of those NCAA tournament runs that we remember: Kendall Walker, Shabazz Napier, guys like that. Mateen Cleaves. If you want to go back to my, you know to like late 90s, guys like that who have just magical runs. Um, guy, the point guard from Kalen Brunson, you know, it was, it was really good for Villanova when they won it. You're typically going to have guys, and like if you look at the teams that are winning national championships, I mean, look at that Baylor team that dominated everybody. Um, Davion Mitchell, I think, was one of three point guards, I think, that they played. And like they dominated the Jalen Suggs team, and Jalen Suggs was a lottery pick. And, and like you have to have that. Like you have that. Your starting point has to be a late point guard. And I don't think there's any question that Tennessee has that. Like if you look at their rotation, I mean, like you said earlier, I think that I could see him going about nine deep. I think that's you typically that's where you go when things get dicey. And I'll always say, anybody listening to the podcast has heard me say multiple times. It's not about having an eight-man rotation. It's about feeling good about number nine if you have to go to it. Uh, right. you have an eight, you can have a nine-man rotation, but you got to feel good about that ninth guy or that tenth guy because if you can't go, if you can't go eight, 
and you only feel good about seven, that's a problem. That's a problem. And you have to feel good about the guys. Because I, I feel like the players that played last night, for the, in, in large part, I mean, obviously, some, you know, focusing in. For the, more, um, for the most part, that is your rotation. It's some some combination of Kamwa, Fulkerson, Chandler, Viscovi, James, Huntley, Hatfield, Bailey, Powell. Uh, you know, if Huntley, Hatfield can continue to just come on and figure some stuff out, not a lot's being asked of them now. Just come in and spurts and just go play basketball. We'll fit. You can figure out how to play basketball at a later date, but just go play. You'll figure some things out as you go. Just you're supremely athletic. Go make some shots. Hey, you want to make a three? Go shoot a three. We're all doing it right now. It's a new craze in Knoxville. We're gonna, you're going to shoot 43s, or we're going to shoot over 40% from threes. Fun system. You want a three? You want a three? Okay, get one. So, like, I, I mean, you with the with the rotation being what it is, like with the guys being where they are, and if you feel good about going with eight or nine guys, like maybe a Ziegler, like you, you know, like you said earlier, can find his way in, in spot situations because there are things he can do well on the defensive end specifically. Um, like that's and that's a benefit because now you you feel good about that guy. You've got to feel good about that one extra guard if you have to go with an extra guard. You've got to feel good about that one extra big. We'll see We'll see what's going on with your ocean. Can he continue to develop a little bit more and give you something? He did last year. He did last year. You know, there were times in which, you know, in the tournament, he gave them a little bit. And, like, if they can, if they can continue to figure that thing out, man, they're going to be fine. Like, that's – I think that's the key. Going, they're going to be fine as far as you know what where we expect this team to be, which is a good team because good, bad, whatever the case may be, that stuff is all you know relative when you get to the NCAA tournament. It is your team is best version of itself when you get there, and you got you have the pieces to make a run. And I'm not saying they do, but I'm not saying they don't either. One of the things we talked about earlier, you know, saying that for all the good, there definitely are stuff here you look at during the game and and this team look out on film and say, hey, we we need to correct this moving forward. I think to me, the biggest things were on defense. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, Cam Moss struggling against the athletic big. And and there's multiple times where I thought, especially in the post, Tennessee really messed up and was struggling and having to do a bunch of recovery to try to get to the rim and and it worked you know you had a couple blocks at the rim with Campbell had a block at the rim I think Josiah had a block at the rim um and you were were able to kind of recover there for a bit but that's, you're not going to be able to recover as much when you're playing faster bigger guys in the SEC um and also some of the other you know bigger teams since he's going to play this year like a Memphis like a Villanova Texas you know those those types of teams I think I don't want to say like I'm on like red alert or anything like that about the defense because you look at it on paper and say, oh, well, they only allowed 62 points. The, the points per possession were really good. You had nine blocks, 12 steals. But if you if you watched the game and, and, and watched it and saw it, especially early on, it got better as the, as the game went on. But especially early on, and again, we talked about how it's, it was very difficult to even try to scout this Martin team. Tennessee's a, a really a really new team as well. They're going to be growing pains for this team and, and – there's things that need to clean up, but I think some of that's going to be coming with time and chemistry and learning. But I think the the defense to me is the big thing. And I, I'm not like, again, not super, super concerned about the defense, but 
I still was not super pleased either. And I know Rick Barnes was not pleased with some of the defense of some of those guys. They had a hard time staying in front of some of the guys uh, up at the top of the key. Post defense wasn't what I, I thought it should be. I think they um, want to say, yeah, they, they uh, UT Martin scored 34 points in the paint, which that's quite a bit. Tennessee only had, I think, what did I say, 24? He had 24 points in the paint. Tennessee, however, did have 34 second chance points and 16 fast break points. I mean, that's impressive. Um, but I think, Gene, after this, I'll, I'll kind of look at the SEC because it was an interesting night for the SEC. And I think that also works into our conversation about Tennessee and where they can place in the SEC. Um, but I think this defense, it has potential. I just, I just, I, I wonder how much of a difference Ferguson will play. Again, as I mentioned after the exhibition game, I think he may have a bigger impact on the defensive side of things than the offense this year. Uh, from what, how you know, how effective Tennessee can be. But because I thought Huntley Hatfield had some impressive moments, I thought Campbell had some pre- impressive moments. But I don't like those two being your, especially at Urosh. I don't like those guys being your primary kind of post defender. I think. Fulkerson to me is a much better post defender than either of those three guys. Maybe all three of those guys combined. And maybe it's not fair because one of them is a true freshman. Um, but still, I, I think he's going to have a, a very big impact on the defense. So again, a lot of this is without seeing Tennessee's best post player on the floor. But the defense, the defense in, inside really did kind of concern me. And Kenny Chandler mentioned himself that he, he needs to work on his defense. I think he does. Um, I'd like to see him play better defense. But You'll take his offense every day, and it's not like he has horrible defense. I, I, I think he just needs to improve it. Vescovi needs to improve his. He's gotten better, but he still needs to improve his. Point is, defense to me was the biggest concern coming out of this game, and it's not like, again, a massive concern, um, but it's there, and I think it's 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 if you don't fix some things before you play Villanova, you might get into a shootout. That game. I mean, I think this team, like the football team, I think they can win a shootout, um, as, as we saw with the football team on, on Saturday against Kentucky, but I just, I'd, I'd rather not get in that situation where you feel like you have to score every time because Tennessee can still go on these, these scoring droughts. They went, they weren't as prolonged against UT Martin, but they did have a few scoring droughts. You're like, okay, need to pick it up offense. And you're just making some bad shot selections here. So I'd like to see defense improve. I, I don't want to see defense improve at the expense of the offense. Like we've seen the last couple of years, we've had really good lockdown defense, but the offense was not very good. I don't want to see that. I'd, I'd rather see Tennessee still keep up a good offensive tempo and a good a good you know scoring pace but i think if they can be like what we were talking about i think last week gene we looked at the metrics and stuff of last year with alabama and arkansas's defense and how good they were per possession and the amount of turnovers they forced if tennessee can be like that where they're an efficient defense maybe you're allowing more points than you're expecting but it's because you have more possessions per game than than normal that would be fine with me as long as you're forcing turnovers you're getting points off turnovers creating fast break opportunities you still give up 60, 70 points as long as you're scoring 85, 90 points. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And like you, you were talking about the post D like that. My question is if, would you feel comfortable say that Brandon Huntley Hatfield was wearing a jersey other than jerseys and he was starting for that other team? Would you feel comfortable about the ability of Wofsick or Olivier guarding him off the board. No, definitely not Urosh and probably not Olivier either. Because that's what you're going to face for 18 games. And like that'll be like that'll be what happens. Like that's going to be that would be my biggest concern. To your point, talk about big and 
his post, his bigs, his whatever. It, I mean, his parsing words. But um, a lot of teams, I mean, this is when we talk about the evolution of basketball where not a lot of teams are out there just doing back-to-the-basket stuff. So the question is, can you scheme up a defense to where a team, you know, who has like an athletic four or, or five, an athletic big guy who's like 6'10", 6'11", can you scheme up a defense where you or do you have a guy that can make sure that that guy stays in front of you? Because if not, you're in trouble. And and again, look, I I know I know the Curry family. That kid may not be a five star prospect, but he's a really, really good athlete. Since he couldn't stay in front of him, that's not. I mean, he's out here he's out here yelling, they can't guard me, uh in the, early in the game and couldn't really dispute it the way he started. And like that's that's what you're gonna face for the rest of the season in a lot of these games. Um, I probably mirror some of your concern there, although maybe Huntley Hatfield can kind of come on because you have to match. You don't have to match their athleticism, but you have to have a guy who is capable and willing to do what he can to stay in front of somebody because that's how you're going to get beat. Because a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the teams that you face, or especially in the SEC, uh, when you when you face Texas, when you face some of these non in these place some of these non conference games, they're going to have guys who can do that. Like while you're you know while people are out here getting all excited because they got this five star prospect in that one, so do other people. Like this is 2021 college basketball. There's a lot of five stars going around, and if it's not fives, they're fours, and they're capable of doing a lot of the same stuff. Um, so like that's. That to me, like, do they have the guys? Do they have the guys to where they can consistently guard on the interior? Do they have the guys that can, you know, do they have bigs who can consistently guard on the perimeter? Do they have guys, bigs who can consistently guard? Do they have two of them? I know they got one. You may get beat a little bit here and there, but I feel really freaking comfortable. Comfortable rolling number 10 out there and letting him, you know, and seeing what he can do defensively because he's seen it all. I mean, you just mentioned he may be the third oldest guy in college basketball. He's seen it all. Like, he can, he'll can, he figure some stuff out. Like, you know, you're not going to trick him with anything. He knows where to be. He knows how to position himself. Do you have another guy who may not, doesn't have to be full. And play with the same effort as Fulkerson. Because that's where your season lies. Like, we've harped. I don't like the post. I don't like the post. I don't like their bigs. I don't like Tennessee's bigs. It may be good in a year or two. I don't like Tennessee's bigs. Said that numerous times. You know, we've seen we've seen Kamal go in there and, and bang and go get you 11 and 14 in a game against a bunch of guys that he's bigger than. What's he going to do when those guys are the same size? Yorosh, one rebound last night. What's he going to do? Some of these other games, you know, all these guys, these are all legitimate questions because, Daniel, you and I do not have any questions about their perimeter. Anymore. The biggest question I got, I've got about their perimeter is, will Josiah hit a shot? 
And the answer is yes, you will eventually start hitting shots. It's the biggest question I've got. But just having a bunch of guards and, and trying to figure the other stuff out, especially if they don't really fully buy into roles and stuff like that, those little things that people don't like to talk about, that they matter, uh, that's going to determine what happens with this team this season. Uh, I think it gets figured out in some capacity. I don't know what that capacity is. I think it gets figured out. But at this moment, I think it's fair to question what they what what they're going to be able to do defensively and mm-hmm. to some extent offensively on that. I mean, uh, at that position. Yeah, and only time will tell. Only you know once we see them against some uh, bigger competition, literally, uh, but also uh, figuratively too. Will we really know? You know, and, and again, Villanova is going to be a good tester early on. You have a couple other really good non-conference games in uh, in late November and December before you start SEC play. So we'll we'll know here pretty quickly kind of where Tennessee is in the grand scheme of things for the most part. Um, but I think you have to be encouraged by what you saw Tuesday night for the most part, uh, for a large part actually. And then I, I will be interested to see how much that carries over into Sunday against ETSU. Really quickly here to kind of wrap up the podcast in the last little bit look at some of the scores around the SEC because I think it's interesting to, to kind of look at in context of where the Vols were uh, among other SEC programs. I think actually Tennessee fi- finished the night with the yeah the third most points of any SEC school. Bama had 93 and then LSU erupted for 101 but they were also playing UL Monroe. Again, t- no way was playing anybody big except for Kentucky. Some of the scores here, South Carolina beat SC Upstate which I think Tennessee played last year as well 78-60. Georgia really struggled with FIU, won 58-51, had to have a second-half comeback. They trailed 27-22 at halftime. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised they ended up winning that game because, I mean, I, I just don't have high hopes for Georgia, period, this year. I think they're going to be truly awful. Uh, but won 58-51. Ole Miss beat New Orleans 82-61. As I mentioned, LSU pummeled UL Monroe 101-39. Uh, Days ended up with 30 points in that game. Florida beat Elon 74-61. Auburn beat Moorhead State 77-54. Arkansas struggled really early. Mercer was giving them all they wanted. In the first half, Mercer bled 36-28 at halftime, and Arkansas stormed back in the second half, ended up winning 74-61. Note also, along with Days, went for 30 points uh, for Arkansas in that game. Uh, So Arkansas was able to come back. Missouri beat Central Michigan 78-68. Bama beat Louisiana Tech 93-64. And then the night capper, that was the, the big one of the big headliners on Tuesday night, Gene. Duke beat Kentucky, the only SEC team to lose, 79-71. And that was the only game I was really looking at the box score of. Uh, oof is all I had to say. Kentucky had two guys that really did anything, and one guy in Kellen Grady who I think who should have gotten more shots off, and instead Washington felt the need to jack up a bunch of shots. But... Uh, Kentucky finished that game shooting 37% from the floor. 39% from three, much, which is not bad, but they only attempted 18 threes. Uh, 37% overall, you had Toshibe, I think it's how you say his name, 17 points and 19 boards. That's impressive. Severe Wheeler, 16 points, 10 assists. That's impressive. Nobody else really gave you a whole lot. Kellen Grady had nine points. He was three of seven from three. I, he should have got more shots because Washington was three of 14 from the floor. Brooks only gave you nine points, which was four of 10. Bence was two of seven from the floor overall and give you five points. So, I mean, you needed to have Kellen Grady give you more shots, not Washington, who was just missing a bunch of shots. And looking at the shot chart here, I didn't get a chance to really watch much of this game at all. Um, but looking at the shot chart, Kentucky missed a ton 
of shots at the rim. A, a bunch of missed layups, a bunch of, of missed putbacks, a bunch of – I mean, I'm just looking at shot chart. They have a just a huge amount of Xs there in the paint at the rim. That's unacceptable for for a, a team like Kentucky with as much talent as they have. And I, I, To me, almost, I, I, I think you have to give credit to the defense because I think Duke should have maybe run with that game more than they did. Uh, just based off that, and, and from what few highlights I've seen from that game too, but man, I I I think Kentucky again, they're going to be better than last year. I think they'll they'll be a team that's definitely going to improve as the season goes on. But they certainly didn't look like the team that a lot of the SEC media picked to win the SEC. They didn't look great to me. They have two really good players. I think and I think Severe Wheeler is going to really flourish at Kentucky. He he was already good at Georgia. I think he's going to be a really really good point guard for them this year. But if they have guys who can't even make shots at the rim, can't even finish at the rim, he, he's going to be hand-tied. His hands are going to be tied by his back. Toshiba, again, had a really good night. He was 8-14 overall, 17 points, 19 boards, two blocks, a steal, um, an assist as well. But Severe Wheeler, for his 10 assists, also had seven turnovers. So that was a, another big issue was turnovers. Uh, Kentucky had 13. Duke only had nine. I don't want to don't want to break down too much for that Kentucky game, but I thought that was obviously one that that Vol fans would be interested in hearing about because that's Tennessee's biggest rival. That was the team that was picked to win the SEC by a lot of people. They didn't look great. I again like Tennessee. I think they're going to be a team that gets better as the season goes on. And I wonder, you know, if Tennessee had started the season against like a Villanova or against a Purdue rather than against UT Martin, how different would be feeling about Tennessee right now? But I, I think the SEC. I was kind of surprised there wasn't another team besides Kentucky that lost with how bad uh, Arkansas is playing as Mercer and just how bad of a team overall that Georgia is. But we may see another loss or two tonight, possibly recording this a Wednesday uh, afternoon. I don't know. Vanderbilt's playing Alabama State. They should win that one. Mississippi State plays North Alabama, and then Texas A&M plays North Florida. So maybe you won't see another loss. But uh, it's not like A&M and Vandy are great teams this year either. So we'll see, Gene. But I, I feel like to me, the opening night of, of college basketball, there's some there's some pretty good cool plays out there. I think it was uh, Wichita State had that game-winning buzzer from the logo as time was, was time was winding down. You had a couple other really big plays. Shout out to some former Vols who transferred. EJ Anasicki, Devontae Gaines, and Drew Pember had some really good nights in their first games with their new teams. So it was an interesting night of, of basketball to start things off. We'll have more Wednesday night. And, of course, the Lady Vols are playing on Wednesday night as well. But Gene, my biggest takeaway from the SEC opening night was that I don't know a whole lot about the SEC still. <laughs> I don't know that we will for several more weeks, for uh, maybe a, a month or two here. But I feel like Tennessee has has to be one of the teams that feels the best of where they came. Other than, I mean, again, LSU just crushing UL Monroe 101-39. And that's, that's – I feel bad for uh, UL Monroe for that game. But I, I think, you know, not a whole lot else to say. You can obviously add a little bit more to if you want to. But I, I think that – if you're Tennessee, you look at the SEC landscape from last night and you say, you know, I already felt pretty good about where Tennessee was, but I feel like I feel even better when I look at it in context of, okay, so a lot of these, not a lot, but several of these SEC schools struggled. Tennessee maybe struggled early on, but closed out strong and, and not all the SEC teams can say that. So again, we won't really know until we get into late December, early January, but I just think it's just some of the early season results are going to be really interesting in the SEC this year, I think. Yeah, um, this isn't. This is only slightly Kentucky related, but um, Ben is the best player in college basketball. Oh my goodness! I mean, like that's. I know 
again, I know with this being a Tennessee podcast, it's it's open season on Kentucky, but I think a lot of people may have underestimated how good Duke is. Um, that's no look. That's like that. That doesn't make that doesn't matter anything as far as Kentucky's concerned. Like they were the big kid and a bunch of people who were trying to figure some stuff out. Like that's basically what they were yesterday. Uh, Grady, you know, Grady came from Davidson. This ain't Davidson, man. That that ain't you know. That's not George Washington. You're playing. I think I think they're in the, both in the A10. That ain't George Washington. You're playing like this isn't a this isn't a Tuesday night at LaSalle. Like this is Duke, Kentucky on the grand stage. Uh, Washington is still missing right now. Uh, Brooks, I've never been overly impressed by him as a player. Uh, then you got the guys they had off the bench, and you know, so like I, I'm looking at a guy. I'm, but all that being said. Benchero could be the best. I mean, Benchero's right now the number one pick of the draft. Like, I think that goes. He's the he's been the trendy pick for that for quite some time now. I mean, your size with with that size with that ability. I mean, the worst thing you could say is that he couldn't hit his threes last night because he was seven of eight from two, eight of nine at the free throw line. Happened to miss all three of his threes. Um, the you know being being around the Southern Conference seeing. What Mercer did against Arkansas was, uh, was a little eye-opening um, because mm-hmm. Mercer is an okay team. I felt like they beat somebody last year. SoCon teams have a have a way of sneaking up. In some cases, uh, just not even sneaking up, just beating SEC teams or whatever. I mean, Citadel beat Pitt last year. Uh, like that's you know that's a re- this is it's a really good leak and. Uh, so I was a little surprised by the Arkansas stuff, although lose some key, pieces, you know, not necessarily all of their pieces. They lost some key pieces from that team last year, and um, so I, I was a little surprised by that because, you know, what, what was it like a six eight point lead at one point, eight point lead at halftime? Um, you know, I mean, so the other teams you're not going to clean anything from that. I mean, Georgia stinks. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious now. If we didn't already know after they lost. It's not fair to really judge their exhibition because it's not like like an E two. They played Charlotte, <laughs> you know. I mean, like it's not like they went out and played a Division two team or an NAI team. Like they went out, and, you know, theory played somebody in an exhibition game. Um, now I question his I question his scheduling in general because if you start the year off with Charlotte and FIU, um, they're not really trying. You know, very. Uh, you're not trying very hard to schedule. Maybe there's some tough games coming. I don't know. I'm not here to suggest anything. Um, you know, but like I said, Florida, whatever. So the league is weird. Um, I'm not sure for anybody that you figured anything out about your team um, last night um, because. It was just a year ago that people thought that Tennessee had the best defense in the country. They were dominant. They like why I played six in the country at one point, you know, and everybody was out here talking national championship. And look, the wheels didn't fall off, but they kind of came back to earth. So, with there aren't many of these teams other than Georgia Stinks. I'm not really taking any sort of uh, information away from what's happened because. 
you know, teams like Kentucky, even Duke, um, that are, you know, kind of put together differently. I mean, didn't didn't Duke play Kentucky a couple of years ago with Zion and those guys? They won by like 68 points or something. It was like 40. Oh, man. It was like a 40-point game. Like, if you, told me, if you told me it was like 120 to like 80, and then I, I would buy that. I'm pretty sure that was that was my year. On, yeah, that was when I, my first year on the team. I'm pretty sure it was 20. And Duke beat Kentucky by a ton. I'm trying to find that for you. And then you look up at the end of the season, and I'm pretty sure that Kentucky went further than Duke um, when it was all said and done. Sorry, I, did, I, I was looking here. So, uh, 118 to 84. Wow. So, what year is that? 2018 19. Uh, the year that Tennessee hmm. the Sweet 16. Okay. And, yeah, 118 yep. yep. And, Kentucky ended up making it to the Elite Eight. Um, pretty sure Duke got beaten the Sweet Sixteen. I know they lost. Uh, no, they they got Elite Eight also. Yeah. Okay, okay. So they made it the same place. So yeah, how much does it really matter? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, so hey, this is progress for Kentucky. They got beat by eight this time, man. Like they're they're probably thinking national championship right now. But look, I mean, <laughs> it, it's a time where you have to test yourself. And I, I wish more teams would do that, although that Champions Classic keyword is champions, and so they seem to have a pretty elite list of people that they invite to those games. And it's always some, it's always some combination of Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas. You know, like <laughs> I feel like those are always the four teams that end up going. Maybe I, Kansas beat up on somebody last night. Was it Michigan State? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it the, Kansas State played somebody. Yeah, it was Michigan State. Yeah, so yeah, eighty-seven, seventy-four. Yeah, like and looked looked pretty good in doing it. And like, I, I'm glad. I wish there was some more of these early season games because you know during the week, you know, you'd never want to put those games on a Saturday. <laughs> not, right. Yeah. Not in you know not in November. Um, maybe you could sneak some in there in December. But not over the next what, three weeks. You don't want to do them. So if you could play some more of those games, and obviously schools like Tennessee are about to play a lot of them, then that's good because like that's that's kind of what you want. Like you want to do what you can to sell your product before people kind of check out in December and people are going on doing their own thing as far as you know holidays are concerned and bowl games are concerned and you know like or if you're a Division One basketball team, but an FCS football team, playoffs are concerned, perhaps things of that nature that can pull your attention away. If you can throw a game out there on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, do it because people look, people want to watch. You know, people loved, you know, people loved that. I don't know what the ratings were yesterday. I imagine a lot of people watch those games, um, mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's a good it's good for the sport to have nights like yesterday. It's good for the winners to win because we can talk about Arkansas. They still won. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want to be on the other side of that. Like, I've seen the mid-major beat the, you know, the, the so-called bigger program. And I know those lines are 
you know, those margins are a little bit smaller uh, when you talk about some of the better mid-majors. I mean, I was in Georgia when UTC beat them in 2015. Um, I was in Knoxville when UTC beat Tennessee in 2016. And anybody that knew, knew that that UTC team was better than the Tennessee team. But yeah, it's yeah, still stunned. I mean, like, if you're a Tennessee fan, that's still stunned. I talked to friends of mine who were Tennessee fans. They're like, that stung, especially when they started chanting UTC with, like, two minutes ago in the game. Um, and so, like, you're trying to figure that stuff out, but everybody in the SEC was on the right side of the ledger. And that, at the end of the day, that's what you figure out. Like, I don't think Georgia's any good, but they won. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I still think they stink, which means they'll probably win, like, 27 games and Tom Crean will block me on Twitter for some random reason. But, um, but they look, they won. I just think that when I'm not judging you, I'm not judging any of these teams based off of no disrespect of FIUs, the UT Martins, stuff like that. That's just figuring out what you've got. Now, as you get into this non-conference season, now we're going to figure out what you're made of. And I, I think that's that's so much more important. You figured some stuff out about Kentucky last night. Maybe they're maybe they're not a top five team in the league. Maybe they're not, maybe they're not even the best team in the SEC. I don't know, but you got to see them against like a, what would is perceived as an evenly matched foe. Maybe they end up looking like that Miami football team, you know, when they got blown out by Alabama, and then they just they had never fully recovered. But yeah. you at least have a little more information about them. While whereas we're still trying to figure some stuff out about the. Tennessee's of the world. Uh, although we know more, but as you and I have both expressed, there's still some concerns there, even with a little bit more knowledge. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to go ahead and uh, end this episode. Very excited to watch the rest of the season. Again, Tennessee plays on Sunday against ETSU. As we're recording this, Gene, we're about, I think, an hour and a half from tip-off for the Lady Vols beginning their season as well. Very excited to watch them get underway and see what they can do with, especially with Ray Burrell. She's getting all kinds of preseason attention for all these watch lists and stuff, as it as was Kennedy Chandler before the season started. So two really good stars here in Knoxville on, on both teams. Very excited to see what both those players and their respective teams in Knoxville can do. But thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back again next week for another one. Uh, be Stay tuned if you are a Lady Vols fan or just a fan of you know Tennessee basketball in general. Hopefully, we'll have another Lady Vols episode of the podcast. I want to say hopefully sometime early, early next week, um, talking about you know their game that was on Wednesday. Probably won't have any time later this week to do it, but hopefully we'll over the weekend or sometime Monday um, to record one talking about the game that happened on Wednesday and what happens uh, with the Lady Vols here in the first week. So be on the lookout for that. But until next time here for Gene and I, they'll be probably again next week talking about Tennessee basketball, looking ahead to Villanova. That should be fun. Thank you all for listening to this episode. As I mentioned, top of the show, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter. Vol Basketball Facebook or Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. We really, really appreciate all the support, all the downloads, all the listens. You guys are fantastic. Thank you all so much. Signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel. This has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode.